you know, back then I'd played third grade, so I'd been there from early on. But you'd stayed and watch all the grades. All the club was together back then, the whole three grades. And I'd like to give a big shout-out to the Hoodoo Gurus who have given us permission to use part of their song, That's My Team, as our new podcast episode intro for all of their music. And whenever they are going live or performing live, head to their Facebook and their Instagram. The links will be in the description below. Be sure to give them a like and a follow as well on Facebook and Instagram. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. Um, again, continuing on with Western Suburbs Week, we've got Western Suburbs legend, uh, Trevor Cogger, and I'm actually joined, this is a joint effort interview with our main man who helps us with some interviews. His name is Angus Ango Hamill, he is a manly tragic, but we won't hold that against him. Welcome to the chat, lads. <laughs> yeah, good day, CJ. Right, so... Uh, and first, good day, Trevor. Yeah. Nice to talk to you, boys. Cheers, mate. So, yeah, indeed. So, first question is: um, You made your debut for Western Suburbs in 1981. What was it like being able to, you know, more or less play for the team that you grew up in the area? Because back in the day, you did have to play in the area to be l- eligible, from what I'm told, um, for that yep. NSWRL team. Uh, what was that like for you? Yeah, well, it was pretty exciting at the time. If I can think that back back that far, but. Um yeah, like you said, we lived in we lived at Lickham, um, played all our junior stuff with Barala Bears, which were in the um juniors of Western Suburbs then. Mm-hmm. Um and we all all our friends that played footy, we you know, we played together at the junior level and then a few of us went through and played S G Ball, Harold Matthews, uh, the rep stuff for Wes and then to make it to the big time, um, down there at Lickham Oval was yeah, pretty exciting. Do you remember much uh-huh. of your first first grade game? Um, yeah, well, it was only, it wasn't too long, it was just a half a game, that, mm-hmm. that's the one where the, uh, the meat pie story comes from. Okay. That was my very first, first grade game, I hadn't played us. that before, so, um, yeah, it was, it started, I played at lower grades, third grade, and, um, I think we, I sat on, back then, you, you sat on the bench for the grade above if they needed reserves. Yep. They didn't have, a, didn't have any fresh reserves back then. So I sat on the bench for second grade and wasn't required. So I had a shower and went up on the hill to watch the uh, the first grade game with a few a few mates and that. And um, well, just after half time, um, both the halfbacks were injured during the game. Terry Lamb and Alan Neal. Yep. They both got both got injured, and um, the boys were all ribbing me up on the hill, saying, "I'll call you back down there, Trevor." Oh, they need a halfback; <laughs> they haven't got one on the bench. <laughs> and it was, it, was all, it was all a bit of a laugh, but sure enough, over the loudspeaker at Lickham Oval, would um, Trevor Cogger please come down to the West dressing room <laughs> ASAP? <laughs> oh, wow. wow. <laughs> That's incredible how it worked back then because now the teams are like meticulously planned all week and then there's just a certain amount of players that's doing a certain job on the bench and there's like nothing like that happens anymore, does it? No, well, it's a different setup. And like, you know, back then well, I'd played third grade, so I'd been there from early on, but you'd stayed and watch all the grades. All the club was together back then, the whole three grades, and everyone, particularly at Western Suburbs, everybody knew each other through the three grades anyway. And everyone liked to stay back and watch the first grade. If you weren't playing first grade, you'd still stay after your game and and watch it. But yeah, pretty. 
I don't think that sort of setup will ever happen again, no. It was um, certainly off-the-cuff stuff. Yeah, definitely a sign of the times, that's for sure. Yeah. I'll pass it over to Ango to, uh, to uh, word vomit. I'll pass it over to Ango to ask a few questions. No worries. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, Trevor, you are you hold a very um, interesting record at the West Western Suburbs Magpies, a, a record that since they've been out of first grade for, since 1999, it probably won't ever be beaten. You actually hold the record for most games across all three grades in Magpies history. Um, it's just such dedication that you've shown playing basically your whole juniors and your whole first grade career with them. Yeah, well, like, like we spoke about before, back then you played in the area and there were certain rules that you had, you had to come from the area to play to play in the first grade team anyway. But still, that's just what was done back in the day. You play come through all the junior stuff and then you... And you um, really wanted to play your first grade team in the juniors you were playing with. And today's different because it's the world's run as a business. It wasn't so much a business back in the day. It was still the working class and loyal, playing football and on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, and loyalty. Mm. There was a lot more of that back in the day, and that was because money money was there. But it's not. It wasn't money didn't you know, talk like back it is then. today. <laughs> No, money didn't talk. It was an influencer, but it, it wasn't the sole decider, which it tends to be today. It was about just playing for the team where you lived. And all the blokes, I, it, especially in the lower grades, are all blokes where you um, you knew from growing up. And there were a few blokes from in first grade that come from the country or whatever. Ever, and um, But, yeah, it's pretty, it, it's pretty, it was a pretty, pretty special time in the 80s, I think. There was a lot of good, good players, and when they were playing just to play footy. It wasn't so much a money thing. Yeah, that's for sure. It was more of a kind of a mateship thing. It was a profession, but it wasn't so much of a profession as it is today with the million-dollar contracts and the the 100% focused um, top league kind of NRL happening. It was, yeah, it was a good... It was more about building up a good team with good chemistry with all your mates back then and good players as well, like yourself. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's incredible that um, how it worked back then. That's for sure. Yeah, and, uh, it worked. It was still we you know, the way we got paid was the old chook raffle at the pub on the Thursday night. You know, we had to go up after training and and do the raffles and um, whatever else we could do to raise funds. You know, we had lots of fates where we'd um, we'd run the fates at Asheville Park and Burwood Park. And, oh wow. It was, yeah, we'd be the ones on the chocolate wheel or selling the tickets walking around after training on the Saturday morning and um, that's how we raised the funds and um, especially well, way back in, well, well, I'm probably getting a bit ahead of where we're going, but in 83 when we got kicked out, that was, um, West were expelled from the comp back then when they expelled West and Newtown, West fought and we got back in, but that was just a lot of hard work, not only from the players that decided to stay around, but um, all the committee people back then, they, you know, they, they had jobs as well. They were from bankers to doctors to whatever whatever they did, business owners, but they, um, they'd they done the footy stuff for free. It was all free. It was They weren't paid it back then. It was all then. for the love of the club and the love of the town. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's for sure. I was going to quickly take over from you, Ango, for a quick second because I'm reading a really interesting fact right here, right now, about Trevor Cogger. And it's during the 85-86 series that you played with Lee, you actually got and were hospitalized with hypothermia after a match. What was that like? 
Yeah, cold England. <laughs> it was cold England, yes, it was. Well, back then, they, well, they, these days they play in the summer. They play at the same time we're playing. Mm. Can't score at the moment. But back then, it was an off-season for us to go and play in England, and it was their winter back then. So, um, yeah, it was extremely cold, but I was always... I was, Wanting to play in the snow it was sort of sort of a novelty thing at first, yeah. but um, it was it was a long bus trip. I think the place was called Mansfield, so it was yep. a long way from Lee. We had to catch a bus there, and the further we were going, the more it was snowing, and we were worried we weren't going to play at all. Um, but when we got there, they said, "Oh, since you've come a long way, we we'll may as well play." Yep. So um, we got out there and it was snowing and. You couldn't see the lines or anything, uh-huh. and after about ten minutes, it was like slush and it was like an icy, you know, chocolate icy. Really, it was uh-huh. crazy. <laughs> but it was, um, I, I just thought it was fun for a while. But yeah, by the time I'd come off at half time and actually sat down, and my body decided it didn't want any more of that, um, <laughs> and my hands started to swell up, and my feet, and. Um, yeah, it was pretty painful exercise, so I'd end up going to the hospital that night and just stayed overnight, and um, the boys just, they never let me forget that, that's for sure, <laughs> from then on in. <laughs> but we used to, another little trivia fact, we, the boys used to drink cups of tea at halftime over there, that's what was halftime drinks, there was, ah. what, yeah, <laughs> but I, I, and I didn't drink tea or coffee, I only had water, but yeah, the rest of the team had... Um, big jugs of tea and they used to just come around and that's how they used to warm the boys up. I was say, would have kept them warm. <laughs> that, that, that yeah, that was the whole English. idea of it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the most British thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it, it would have been even funnier for your English teammates, you coming from Australia, which, I mean, everyone knows is like the hottest darn place on the planet <laughs> and then going straight to England and playing in their winter. Uh, that would have been more cannon fodder for hyper. Oh yeah, that's for sure, mate. Yeah, I was I was destined to get it. That's for sure. But yeah, they um, they certainly didn't let me forget it. It was good good ribbon for a few months after that. No, that's fair. Oh, I'll, I'll pass it off to Ango to ask a few more questions for you. Yep. Yeah. No worries. You played pretty much the whole eighties with Western Suburbs, um, uh, all the way until the early nineties. Did you kind of get a feeling towards the end of your career that um, every the next season or so might be your last one? And uh, how did you kind of come to the decision that it was time to stop playing footy? Uh, you know, I think all players know, you know, when it's time. I know they tend, there's a lot of bikes still playing now and you think, why would they bother having one more year? But we talked about it before, it's a money thing. But back then... You just know your your body either, either tells you or your performances tell you, and you know that it's um, that it's time to hang up the boots. Another reason was as well, which was a factor. Uh, Warren Ryan came out to West in nineteen, I was ninety or ninety one, and. Um, he started training in the day way back then, even though we still had a job, like I was still working for Telstra. And um, Warren started to do like midday training sessions. So that made it mm. hard as well. I had to sort of make up my mind. I knew I was getting close to the end of my career, but it looks like we're going to start training during the day. I wouldn't be able to continue working with Telstra if that was going to happen um, on a continual basis. So it was sort of good timing. I was able to leave and keep my job with Telstra and, and I, you know, which I worked right through until only last November when I retired from Telstra. So, oh wow, 
Yeah, so around that time, Congrats. it was a d- decision to make whether I keep playing or give up my job. So it sort of all fell into place for me, really. Yeah, it sounds like perfect timing, that's for sure. And uh, yes. no, no no, worry to Trevor Cogger fans because the Cogger name has lived on in rugby league, not just in the NRL, but also in local grades as well with your sons, Sam and Jack Cogger, carrying on the legacy and the footballing pedigree that is your family, of course. Jack plays for the Bulldogs right now. He started off with the Knights and he was a Tookley Hawks junior. And Sam played many, many games in first grade for Tookley Hawks. He certainly did, yeah, Sam. Well, I've seen a jersey Tookley presented with 200 games. So I'm not, I know he's played at least 200. I'm not sure if that was a record as well, actually, like most games. I'm not sure with that with Tookley, but still a lot of games. Um, to play with Tukley and uh, Jack, yeah, he played from under sixes right through to under sixteens when he was um, then played uh, up at the Knights in all their junior rep stuff um, and debuted at the Knights. Uh, not a memorable debut for him. They got hammered that day. But, yeah. um, <laughs> well, the Knights were shit back then, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he moved on, took an opportunity to go to the Bulldogs, and and he's gone from shit um, to shit, unfortunately. As in, yeah, yeah not unfortunately, him, not, I, I promise no. not him, the team in particular. No, Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it has sort of hasn't worked out as well as he was hoping for it to work out, but. Um, yeah, he's well. I think he's up around forty NRL games now, so you know that's still a, an achievement Amazing itself. Achievement. So, absolutely, just to play one is, you know, everyone's dream, especially coming from a club like Tukley, when everybody would love to love to play NRL at some stage, and one game would be enough for anybody. But um, so he's done extremely well. Yeah. And was it you telling me, Trev, that um, on average, like? the average amount of games per NRL player is something ridiculously small, like two or 20 or something like it's that. Like yeah. I think seasons, it was you telling me that. These days. Three seasons average, sorry. I think. How many, sorry? I, th- I think now I may be wrong. Sorry to interrupt. But from what I've been told and what I've read, it's like the average um, career span for an NRL player in the current um, NRL is only three to five seasons. Yeah, that's right. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not many. Yeah, that's right. And, I think the games, the number of games is quite, yeah, I think it's only 20-something, Angus, as you're stating. I don't think it's a lot. I know there's blokes that have played 400 now or 300. Sam Smith. That's right. There are, still, there are still a lot of other players, like Jack and numerous other players that, you know, get to their 30s or 40s and obviously bring that average back down. But, yeah, it's a hard it's a hard job these days it is a job for them and um a lot of pressure on them you got social media pressure as well as just normal trying to hold your spot down and um pressure from the media it's not um back in the day when we were at west where there's no media and were just a sunday paper and there was only one game on tv a week so the pressure wasn't there like they have today mm. no social media either um so it is a lot harder today but they get paid you know, they get paid as a job. It's their job, so I suppose that comes with the territory. Yeah, now that's fair. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through a few fun, quick questions. Uh, what's your current beer of choice at the moment, Trevor? Uh, two is new. Yep. Now that's fair. Uh, what is your... Sorry, what would be a superpower if you could have one and why? A superpower? Um, I'd like to just... Stay at a certain age. Probably right now, I'm more than happy. I finish work. Yep. So my superpower would be just to stay 
stay where mm-hmm. I am now and don't get any older nah, and have that... the memories I've got from uh, from what I've done. So great. That's totally fair. Um, mm. And one last fun quick question, and then I'll pass it back over to Ango, is um, what current show are you binging on Netflix? Surprise, surprise, I don't have Netflix. Okay. So what, <laughs> yeah, what is your, what's your favourite show? No, I got Foxtel. I watch Foxtel. Okay. And um, now I'm still the old sitcoms, um, Charlie Sheen, Two and a Half Men, and oh, um, yep. Kramer with... Um, Seinfeld. Uh, those sort of, all those American sitcoms, I I tend to watch over and over again. Yeah, I don't watch a lot yeah, of TV. To, 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 a lot of TV, to be honest. I I like to be outside still, while I'm walking the dog or down the beach or something. So I don't watch a lot of TV, to be quite honest. That's fair enough. Uh, Radio Ango, I'll I'll pass it on to you to fin- uh, finish up with a few questions, and then we'll we'll get yeah a, a wrap up. No worries. Yeah. Well- well, the um, footy days of Trevor Cogger are still not quite over yet because uh, <laughs> since, since retirement, you've forged quite a name for yourself in a little sport called Oztag, uh, being a rep player with the over 45s and, of course, playing for the legendary Backyard Grannies, which is how I know <laughs> Mr. Trevor Cogger here because him and I are actually teammates at the Backyard Grannies at um, our local Oztag comp. So, uh, yeah, how's it going with Oztag, keeping you fit, and uh, can you give me a good rap? <laughs> <laughs> well, Angus, definitely I would have to vote you the most improved player over the last few seasons with us, haven't you? You've come a long way from, you know, um, from your early days in Oztag, um, and you've picked up your speed. You must be doing some uh, sprint training, have you, with you and your dad or something? Yeah, yeah, I've just, just, just actually started actually walking and stuff <laughs> rather than just sitting <laughs> on my ass playing video games every day. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, well, Oztag, it's still good. It's, yeah, I like playing it while I still can. The days are probably getting getting numbered now. I'm, I've got the big 6-0 coming up soon. Oh, wow. So um, the days of Oztag are just about, <laughs> just about over. I think I've got this summer in me, mate. That might be my last one, but I do enjoy boys company and just being a team sport while you still, still can have a run around the park it's um it is fun yeah it's good and he's still got it cj really tc <laughs> has still got it he the amount of blindside plays dummies and little jinx and swerves and sidesteps he puts on the opposition it, you'd, you'd think he was 20 years younger i might have to come up and have a watch of your game when they allow fan like fucking uh, spectators at the game yeah exactly yeah no it is it's a good fun shoot yeah, Angus should sign you up, mate, and have a run around yourself. Well, I mean, um, I'm registered in the West Gosford comp at the moment, so I'm, I may come have a run in the summer comp with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we need no, to get our rego in. Yeah. yeah, we're just talking about numbers and that, but if you're well, I'm, sure Angus I'm would more than down to, I'm more than down to come and play for you guys in the summer comp, for sure, because my, my, uh, I'll still be playing for me um, West Gosford team, but you guys play on a different day to us, so if I can get oh, two yeah. games a week... For, Pardon my language, but fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, nothing there. Yeah, it's all it's all good fun, that's for sure, mate. Oh, and, for sure. you know, get, get a bit of fitness as well certainly oh, helps. That's literally what I've been doing it for because I need to lose them COVID kilos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and me both. Hey, um, <laughs> right, so I think we should, we should wrap it up. And I think the, the one question I could ask um, to finish it up is what advice, A, would you give to yourself as a... Um, when you were a kid, knowing what you know now, and B, what advice would you give to any kid who would want to try and make it in the big leagues one day? Um, well, I think with kids and that, I think I think the thing is dedication. Still, I know it's hard. Um, 
you've got to rely on parents and that to get you around sometimes. So it is a difficult thing, but you've got to, you've got to keep at it and always always give it your best shot because you never know who's, who's, who's watching in any game. Someone could be watching and spot, there's a lot of spotters out there with different clubs. So always play it play your best and if you don't make it that's fine because you can always walk away saying well I give it my best and you know that's all you can do that's all you can do that's fair as far as and for yourself yeah uh, myself I think looking back at my career I probably would I'd done all the hard work and done the right things all the time and but I think sometimes you've got to take a bit more risk than what I probably took back in, in my day I think I think it's probably like business to you succeed. You've got to have a risk. Uh, possibly. Possibly comfort was a sign, but I think that it's my personality is not to be out there anyway. Um, I'm pretty well, laid back when I'm pretty uh, – I don't like pushing myself out there at all. So I yeah. think – but I think, yeah, I think you need to when you're in that type of industry is to push yourself out there and I'd probably try and – change that a little bit if I had it over again, but most things would uh, run exactly the same way. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I want to, first of all, on behalf of myself, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Angus, do you have a last question for Trevor before we wrap this up? Oh, yeah. Um, this is a fun one, actually. I came up with um, not long before we actually got on the phone call. But um, yeah. considering uh, how different the um, well, professional rugby league is in the 80s compared to nowadays, um, if you're watching rugby league, um, you've probably noticed how each player has a different kind of play style. And I was wondering, on from your point of view, are there any players playing in the NRL today that you think would have done an awesome job playing in the 80s? And um, the other end of the spectrum too, I suppose, are there any players today, which will probably be most of them, that wouldn't have stood a chance playing in the tough years in the 80s? Uh, well, look, I probably can't really name specific players because it is such a different game. Like Today's players are, are so much fitter and, and stronger, uh, bigger. Back then, back then it was we had the players, the skillful little players that were... Just thinking while I'm talking, actually, now the speed is always a factor. So speed is a factor that was certainly needed back then and more than ever today, it's still needed in the game. Speed is a commodity that you can't teach anybody. So if you've got it, it's certainly a an asset to have and anybody with speed, I think, can play in both areas. I, I believe that, that's for sure. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you've got to be fast to make those line breaks. Yeah, Blake's gone way back in the days. Like Phil Blake, um, you know, as a halfback, he he was a bloke that could transition in today's game because he, what we talked about before, taking risks he used to be Steve Mortimer. They used to like chip, chipping over the top all the time and having a crack, like putting themselves out there. So I think, I think today's game, they don't like you making mistakes in today's game, but. It's still exciting to see someone chip over the top and regather, isn't it? Like, oh, I think always. those type of things, yeah, those type of things are, are rare players that can do them, and they, them two I just mentioned were pretty, pretty special that type of play. Yeah, my dad loves a chip and chase. Still, I remember back when he used to always watch um, your son Sam play first grade for Tickley Hawks. Um, he would always yell out to the boys. Chip and chase. <laughs> only, only kick it as far as you can catch it. My, my favourite, my favourite chip and chase in the history of the modern game since 1998 has to be Billy Slater in State of Origin. 
Oh, yeah, that was amazing, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, like chipping at a different angle than, than the way he was running. Yeah. And then scoring. It was oh. But that's because I'm a Queensland devout. But still, it's, it was a great chip and chase regardless. It was, yeah. You can't deny good quality play, and that's exactly what that was. That was amazing. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, I guess that about wraps it up. Um, we'll get you on at the end of the year, I guess, because be, we can have a fun wrap-up of the NRL season together, all three of us, if that's all right with you, Trevor and Ango. Yeah, no yeah, problem, mate. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Not a problem at all.